Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to another episode of Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast dedicated to helping you take back control of your mental health and life. In this episode, I interview certified eating psychology coach, Jessie Jean, on how to recover from emotional overeating and compulsive tendencies with food, why diets often fail, what is actually happening in the brain when we struggle with these compulsive tendencies surrounding food, and why it's important not to label ourselves. Jessie shares some great tips on how to find freedom with food and how to help someone else who may be struggling with an eating disorder and how to overcome binging and so much more. If you enjoy my podcast and want to know how you can help me continue making them possible, please consider subscribing wherever you listen and leaving a five-star review. And please continue sharing this podcast with friends and family and keep sharing it on social media. I love seeing what you guys have found helpful. And now on to today's episode. Jess, I'm so thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Really excited and really, really honored that you'll come on and share your expertise about a subject that is just so important and not really understood. I don't think it's very well understood. So thank you so much and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Wonderful. Well, tell us first of all a little bit about yourself, especially something that's not in your bio. Now, what motivates you and what keeps you going and why are you doing what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I... Man, a little bit about myself. My life has evolved in so many different ways. I I don't share it enough, but I have reinvented who I am Love multiple it. times over. And I, I feel like a lot of people don't give themselves permission to do that. And it's such so good. a liberating thing to give That's yourself so permission. Good. Yeah, to get more information, reinvent yourself, decide that this next chapter of your life can and will potentially look different. And that's okay. And that's something that I have delved into headfirst recently that I am in a season of reinventing myself yet again, what I desire, what brings me joy, what brings me passion. And when I was drowning in my struggles with binge eating, emotional eating, compulsive overeating, hating my body, Mm. I had no mental energy, no mental real estate, no capacity Mm. to dream for myself. And since walking in freedom, my mind is always going and exploring and questioning. I question everything and I have deeply rooted beliefs, but I'm always questioning and always open to what more could I figure out? What more could I discover? Do I want to live a conventional life and, you know, follow society's protocols or do I want to do something different? Do I want to go off grid? Do I want to have a more nomadic lifestyle? I've been questioning all of these things recently, which has been a lot of fun. And I, I attribute my ability to do that and to dream big to 
setting myself free and working through my, my eating disorder. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping women find freedom from food and body image challenges. Oh, I love what you said. You know, it's such a scientific thing that you've just said as well as, and science is very spiritual. I mean, science and spirituality are just like, you know, it's two sides of the same coin. But when you said reinventing yourself, we're supposed to do that. We're not these, you know, we're not these casting stone stone avatars. We actually, this organic evolving process and something that for 38 years I've been researching as well is these changes that we have to make. And with my patients, I would always say when I practice as well, I practice for 25 years, I don't practice anymore, but I tell people this all the time, same thing. You've got to keep growing and don't be scared to grow. It's almost like people are scared to grow. You know, so I'm so glad you said that. I actually have a profile called the Unique Quotient, which is basically one based on my research. And it's it's actually showing people how you can develop that on a day-to-day basis in terms of a growth process. So thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying something that is so relevant. It's good to keep reinventing yourself. It's amazing. It's the, what we should be doing. Absolutely. And Fantastic. we get, we, we, we put ourselves in these boxes and we, we end up staying there. Some people their entire life yeah, because of the way they were conditioned, the way they were brought up, the, the limiting beliefs that they hang oh, on gosh. to. And we don't, mm-hmm. and I think this is the thing that I am, am so passionate about right now in this season of my life is I don't have to discover more of who I am. I get to decide more of who I want to be. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. decide what do you want to be in this chapter of your life reinvent yourself spread your wings and fly let yourself go let yourself change let yourself grow and the amount of freedom that is available to all of us is beyond our understanding and I didn't Mm -hmm. know that when I was drowning in my struggles with food and nobody on the outside knew I was struggling it was this deeply seated mental war that I was I was going to battle every day mentally against food and my body, and nobody knew. I lived a very wow. normal life. Nobody knew. Okay, so, so that's very relevant to how we hide, how we put these facades up, and we live two different levels, you know. And you think, and you think you can hide it, but it doesn't actually. It isn't actually the case. Eventually, it explodes, which is what happened in your life, isn't it? I mean, you sort of you, you've got this internal thing going on, and yet you put up one puts up these facades, but deep down inside, there's all this this tension and this this toxic energy, and and it goes in the wrong place if we don't deal with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if we don't know how to work in sync with our mind, our mind is this well-intentioned, misguided friend. We have to learn how this thing works so that we can work in sync with it and optimize our life and live out our full potential. And that's why I'm, I'm passionate about sharing my message with the world because I think we, we settle, we settle Mm -hmm. for for what has become automatically programmed in our, our mind because we don't understand how to change it. We don't understand how to mold it to allow us to live in our fullest, highest potential and experience freedom and experience confidence and be able to eat balanced and do that easily and effortlessly and not be waking up thinking about food or weighing ourselves or obsessing over counting calories or counting macros. It's like there is so much freedom if you understand mm-hmm. how the heck that that brain of yours works. Exactly. It's so important. And so important to make that distinction between the mind and the brain as well. And, you know, that's something that I've researched for 38 years now as well. And it's, it's you, you literally use your mind to change your mind, to change your brain. And that's so freeing in itself. It's so hopeful. And that's what you're basically saying. You, you have to learn, use you, you with your mind, your thinking, feeling, choosing are changing the patterns that there are in your brain, but it's, it's work that you have to do. But we, so we don't, not everyone realizes that we've got this ability and, and you seeing that in your practice. And I see this every day in the work that I do as well. Well, it's just amazing how we get so conditioned and stuck 
that we can get set free. So that, this is incredible. So you teach people, how women, women specifically, how to recover, I'm just making sure I say it correctly, from emotional overeating and compulsive tendencies with food and you use a non-conventional, sorry, a non-conventional approach that rewires mental patterns and you, a whole like a mental collaboration and metacognition. And I love that. I was excited about that because metacognition is my area of expertise as well. So I was really excited. So talk about that. What does that mean? And what does that look like? Absolutely. And I like to speak in complete layman's terms because I remember when I was diving into studying all of this, it was overwhelming. And all I wanted to do, it was very simple. I wanted to stop binge eating, eating in secret. I wanted to stop compulsively overeating, emotionally eating to numb out. I wanted to stop being on the diet binge bandwagon. Mm. I wanted to feel confident in my own skin. And I went, Mm. I pursued figuring it out as hard as I possibly could. I put myself into therapy. I went to Overeaters Anonymous. I put myself into different coaching programs. I tried everything to try and find my way out. And while while all of these programs were well-intentioned and I healed in certain ways and I, I resolved certain internal issues, I was still struggling with these self-sabotaging behaviors with food mm-hmm. that were leaving me feeling paralyzed and incredibly insecure. Mm-hmm. And I mean, food was always on my mind, whether it was in the forefront of my mind or the back of my mind, worrying about what my body looked like, Mm. forefront of my mind or in the back of my mind at all times. I would go to bed thinking about how I did with food that day and and what I can do with food the next day. If I need Mm. to eat less, if I need to work out more, I would lie to people because I I would cancel plans with people because I would tell them I was sick because I was afraid to go out and, and spiral out of control because I wouldn't control the social food setting. I, you know, it was, it was absolutely exhausting. And I got to the point Mm. in college where I questioned if life was even worth it because I was just Mm. mentally done. Exhausted. Yeah. Just too much. Mm. too much. And, and my weight fluctuated up and down, but it was never anything so dramatic that people were concerned about me. And this is the majority of where people fall when they struggle with an unhealthy relationship with Mm. food is in this category of an undiagnosable eating disorder. It's not to the extreme where it's, it's visibly clear. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times we look at ourselves like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not on my deathbed because I've starved myself and I'm not, you know, morbidly obese. I'm not in either of those categories. And so maybe I don't have an issue. And then we, we minimize our problems and we don't give them the credit, the the acknowledgement that they deserve. Mm -hmm. And so the process that I went through to find healing was one of so much trial and error. And what I began to realize as I was crawling out of what I call the mental hell hole was that it is a multidimensional process. It is multifaceted healing this struggle with food and body that I had because it was not. I know, no, that is brilliant. And before you carry dive into that, I want to underline two things that you said. You said that some of the, the treatments you went to, you felt sabotage. You felt some of the things you actually, so the healing made you feel sad. That was very interesting that you said that. And if you don't mind just quickly touching on that before you go into the next thing, I thought that was fascinating. And then, then, the, then the fact that it's multifaceted, the whole treatment approach. And then you said another very relevant thing, it's not a zero sum game. So people, you're either morbidly obese or you, you, you're dying from, and you know, that you're so thin that you've got no nutrition. What about all the in-between? That's ignored. So it's only when things are absolutely observable that people really pay attention. Meanwhile, there's the majority of people are in that in-between category, the gray area. 
And so I just wanted to, I just, I wanted to just emphasize those because those are two extremely relevant points. Because I know there's a lot of people that are listening that have gone for many different types of treatment, and they, and when you say the word sabotage, oh, that's fascinating. That the treatments actually felt made them you feel sabotaged, and then the fact that it's not a zero sum game. Do you mind quickly picking up on those two points, and then coming down to the multifaceted approach that binge eating requires? Yeah, absolutely. So. So while I was going to therapy, I know my therapist was well-intentioned, but I also know that I was not receiving the science that I needed to understand what was going on in my brain. We were dealing with a lot of emotional wounds from my childhood. And while that was therapeutic for healing those emotional wounds, I was my behaviors with food were still in motion, the, the self-sabotaging things I was doing with food were still, the cycles were perpetuating themselves. And, uh-huh. and I felt like healing this struggle was a result of healing all the triggers, all the past baggage in my life that I had to go back and I had to heal all of these wow, things that led up to me having an eating disorder. And that was completely false. And it's exhausting. Just exhausting. thinking about that, it's exhausting. I thought, oh my gosh, I got issues. It's going to be forever until I yeah. heal my relationship with food. Well, then when I'm, wow. when I was in Overeaters Anonymous, which I'm not speaking, I, I love therapy. I still, yeah, of course. I, I think it's an amazing thing, but yeah. it did not help solve my issues with food. Well, when I was in Overeaters Anonymous, well, I know it's also helped many people for me, just like Alcoholics Anonymous, when you go to Overeaters Anonymous, you are repeating, you know, my name is Jesse, like, like you do in AA, my name is Jesse, and I am an overeater and my life has become unmanageable. Mm-hmm. And we repeat these certain affirmations that are so limiting. And, and the intention is that we are acknowledging the problem that we are facing. However, what's happening is that we are reaffirming in our mind the identity that we no longer want to live in. And so I continued for years repeating this thing to myself that, you know, I'm an overeater. I'm a binge eater. My life has become unmanageable. And I just forfeited all of my power over to these labels. Oh my gosh. I have to just quickly give you some science behind that, because this is one of the things that I have been fighting against with all those types of approaches for years. Because I, I don't know if you've ever seen my trees that I use. I don't know if you've seen my toxic tree that I use to explain, but you, what you've just said, they're so relevant. I've had this discussion with, with so many people, but you've just explained this beautifully. So thank you. The, the the fact that when you keep thinking, saying a negative statement, they're thinking that saying the negative statement, I am an alcoholic, or I am a binge eater, or I am like this, this is my, you actually reaffirming a toxic pattern in your brain. And thoughts, thoughts are real things. That's a structural change in your brain. And it's an actual physical thought with proteins and vibrations and chemicals that are all distorted. And they are there whether you like them or not. So the more you stay, the bigger this gets because whatever you think about the most grows. So here you're saying I am, and that you, that's your identity. Let me see from just done recently set of clinical trials and you looked what this kind of thing does to your brain the front part of your brain when you look at from a neuroscientific angle and using technology your this this area kind of above your eyebrows when your identity goes that energy level there drops dramatically and that's that whole area is a lot to do with your ability to think feel and choose to feel empowerment to feel in control that area lights up not that your brain doesn't produce anything your brain just responds but when you are low in your identity that area 
energy drops. So if you keep saying I am, you're actually making yourself weaker and weaker and weaker in the ability to overcome. So I'm just giving you the science behind what you just explained because my audience knows that I always do this and they, they know the science, but you, what you said is completely scientific. So you, you saw yourself. So the sabotage came in the healing process, which was actually not healing. It was damaging because that's not, you're not this forever. And that comes from a teaching way back in the eighties up until the more or less the middle of the 80s, they believed the brain couldn't change. And neuro, and I did some of the first neuroplasticity research in the world. And they, and people actually challenged and said, that's ridiculous. Your brain can't change. Your behavior can't change. I said, well, look at this. And so, and I'm just saying that to say well, you are totally correct. What you have perceived, what you so insightfully saw as the most, almost the most uh, limiting part of your healing is a scientific fact. And that can, that can you've got to stop changing. You've got to change that identity. Okay. So I, just wanted to undergird, undergird your brilliant insight there. Yeah, and I knew that that as I started to understand the brain and how we work in sync with it, it was it, true behavior change is identity shifting, belief shifting, and and managing our thoughts, managing our emotions, Absolutely. auditing what's running through there. And if I am repeating to myself these limiting beliefs, this identity that I don't, I don't want to exist in. I am going to create more of that in my life. And, and so this wasn't working. These approaches weren't working. I was continuing to binge. I was continuing to think about food more and to have more anxiety around food, have more anxiety around my body. And again, it was exhausting. It was so exhausting and so debilitating because I was succeeding in other areas of my life. I worked hard. I was disciplined. Why couldn't I figure this thing out with food? The thoughts rolling around in my head were, am I crazy? Am I crazy? I, I am giving everything I have to try and just eat balance and just feel good in my own skin. Yeah. I, I just, it, it seemed so simple to me. Yeah. And yet when I turned to the field of psychology and therapy to get support. It was inconclusive in helping me. I, it, it, like I said, it helped me in certain areas of my emotional healing. Mm-hmm. But when I turned to kind of learn more about nutrition and fitness and you know the, the health side of things, physical health side of things, I very much so felt like there was no consideration on the emotional aspect, the mental aspect of how I relate to food, how I relate to fitness and exercise. And it, mm. it was very disjointed. And so I, I felt like, man, I couldn't have it all. If I wanted to heal my relationship with food, I had to accept that I was going to spiral out of control and gain a lot of weight. Cause anytime I let off my diet or, you know, wasn't tracking calories or macros, I would spiral out of control. So my perception was if I try and intuitively eat or listen to my body, I'm going to be elbow deep in a tub of ice cream every night. That's mm-hmm. that. Cause that's what would happen. And that's kind of what they had almost programmed you. The therapy, the psychological therapy, not based on correct mind brain science had led you to believe that. So there's so many incorrect psychological approaches based on the fact that you haven't done this, close this gap. So you went to the behavioral side, the, you know, the diet, the wellness industry, and then built the bridge with brain and, and mind, which is excellent. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So, good. so I started to recognize that, I was finding freedom through understanding what I was dealing with in light of addiction because mm-hmm. I started to read into addiction and what happens in the brain and these cyclical neural pathways that form and how we become, we pr- basically program our brain to function a certain exactly. way, crave certain things. And so, and I was actually researching addiction 
because many people in my family struggle with drug and alcohol addiction and I was wanting to help them. But as I was looking into and reading different books, different articles on addiction, Mm. I was like, I feel like I can really relate to everything that Mm. this is saying, even though they're not saying it in context of food and exercise and, you know, the things that I'm dealing with, I get it. I get what they're saying. And, and so that's when it, the light bulbs really started to go off for me that there is, there is something going on in my brain. I've trained myself to function this way. And how do I wired it in? Yeah. I've wired it in. I've programmed myself Mm -hmm. to for this to be my easy, it's easy for me to binge and overeat and have anxiety and, and feel these thought patterns and emotional patterns. I've programmed in this response. Mm. And I started to think of it in like a, a computer program, you know, like when back, you know, back in the day when we had these windows updates, sort of thinking yeah. about it like, I think I need an update like this. Reset. reset. This isn't yeah. And so I started to recognize that my healing was going to come in the form of a multidimensional approach. It's not singular in nature. Not at all. And when it comes to food, obviously the protocol for healing addiction is abstinence because of how it ends up changing the brain over time when we abstain from the thing that's lighting up the brain's reward center, whether that's drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever the addiction is. However, we can abstain from food. And so this sent me down a lot more discovery, a lot more trial and error. How do I change my brain if I can't abstain from the thing that I feel almost addicted Mm -hmm. to? And even that abstaining doesn't work. It, it does. You can't just stop something because you actually have to understand why. You have to change. It's a process. So that also that abstinence thing, even with drug and alcohol, doesn't work either. Right, right. And it it's has not to be a process. A, yeah. Totally a process. And mm-hmm. I've seen this in some of my family members that it's yeah. not this idea of abstaining. Obviously, mm-hmm. the goal is to no longer be, you know, deep in the bottle. Controlled by it. Yeah, controlled yeah. by it. Yeah. But it's, 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 yeah, you're right. It's not even the abstinence. It's a totally different way of perceiving this and, and training the mind. And I realized that's what I had to do with food. And I realized there was layers to my freedom that I had to uncover. And so I started to just dive in and consume and try everything I could consume all the material I could and try and figure out what do I need to do to train myself to function in other ways. And I was realizing that this, this internal locus of control that I felt like I didn't have. I was constantly mm-hmm. feeling impulsive and, and short that I needed to train myself to manage my emotional state and manage my thought life and audit it. And how do I grow the area of my brain and strengthen the area of my brain that is responsible for my identity and responsible for what I believe and what I think and how I feel and how I react? Can I create enough space in my day-to-day where instead of being so reactive and so compulsive and so impulsive that I can start to respond? Can I start to create time and space Mm -hmm. in my brain and slow things down a little bit? Because I felt like I was living in this this internal chaos. And while nobody on the outside knew because they couldn't visually see that I, you know, yeah, my weight was fluctuating, but not to the extent that people were concerned. But how did I, how could I get my brain back to a place where I could slow it down a little? I could, I could manage the chaos that I was dealing with. I could manage my emotions so that I could start to think and I could come what I call online. So I was very much so functioning from a place of instinct and impulse. How do I come online and function out of my conscious mind? Mm-hmm. And, and so I started to learn different techniques and tools to do just that. 
With all that's going on, a lot of us are feeling anxious or stressed or depressed. And I know it can be hard finding a doctor to talk to, especially now. That's why I recommend Plush Care. Plush Care knows your mental health is just as important as your physical health. Their primary care physicians are here for you seven days a week to help you start feeling better as soon as possible. In addition to being primary care physicians who handle ongoing and urgent care, they also treat a wide range of common mental health issues like anxiety, depression, stress, or even trouble sleeping. So if you're feeling down, worried, or not like yourself, you can book a same-day appointment and see a plush care doctor right from the comfort of your home using your phone or computer. They'll discuss treatment options with you and have your prescription sent to a local pharmacy as needed. Plush Care accepts most major insurance carriers and is available in all 50 states. Plush Care makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself, inside and out. Start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash drleave to start your free 30-day trial. That's p-l-u-s-h-c-a-r-e dot com slash drleave for a free 30-day trial plushcare.com slash drleaf. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. Listening to you in the clinical trial that I just did over this last year working on mind management, which is the field of mind management, how the mind works, the mind-brain connection, the non-conscious mind, all the things that you're saying, my audience will completely relate to because they've been so schooled now in, in the stuff that I teach on how the mind-brain connection works. And what you're saying is so important because we need to recognize that we have this ability to control. But a lot of the psychological techniques in therapy, almost, especially traditional old therapy, takes that away from you. And if you take that locus of control away from a person, if you don't empower them, they don't think they can control those toxic thoughts. And whatever, and our brain's just a responder. So whatever you do with your mind, your brain just responds. And that's what you've just described. You, through your own journey, have discovered what science has shown that we actually are able to take our, use our mind to change our mind, to change our brain. And that takes time. And you know that you're not, yeah. And that so the the addictions and those patterns we've wired them in. We've just got to we've got to actually then take the time to wire them out. And that's pure mind management, managing those thoughts, finding and not just trying to stamp the thought down with a cognitive behavior technique. I mean that does not work. And also not always trying to get so psychotherapeutic that you, as you said earlier on, that you I can't change my behavior until I found every cause. It's a parallel process that you can actually work on the behavior while you're working on the finding all the origins around it because that's an endless journey too. So that's really great. So such great, such great comments that you've made and so scientific. And it's so great because just explaining all the work that I do, you actually just explain in such a beautiful, simple, excellent way. So it's really amazing. Okay, so you develop techniques. and But before you talk a little bit about the techniques, let's talk about the concept of binge eating because you explain that beautifully. You've got some really nice posts on your, on your page about binge eating and just how you explain it. Really, really yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times people will reach out and they'll say, I don't know if I'm a binge eater. I don't know if I'm an overeater. I don't know if I have an eating disorder. I don't, how do I know? I, I have this weird thing going on with food that I don't like, and I don't feel confident in my own body. That's what I know. And what I always say is, do you want to be a binge eater? Do you want to be an overeater? Do you want to have an eating disorder? No. So let's say, let's not even label ourselves as disordered. Let's not claim that identity. Let's not claim that label. Perhaps you're experiencing behaviors, you're engaging in behaviors that you're not satisfied with, that don't feel supportive. So let's talk about those things. And what I always say is, let's just ask ourselves, if you can just ask yourselves a few questions, it'll help you identify whether you have a healthy relationship with food or whether there's areas for improvement. So some of the questions that you can ask yourself is, do I ever feel a sense of a loss of control? 
Like intellectually, I know what I want to do, but I feel driven by this outside force. I feel this impulsive drive to do something regardless of what my intellect says. Mm. Do I ever feel guilt or shame for what I've eaten or if I've exercised or not exercised? Do I ever feel anxious with food? Do I ever hide and eat in secret because I'm embarrassed? I don't want people to judge me for what I've eaten. Do I overly plan what I need to do with food? Am I a hyper planner? Am I living based off of numbers, points, a meal plan, calories, macros? Do I have to use external means to guide an internal process? Mm. An internal natural process. Sorry, that was natural. This, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and and so the the mm-hmm. so food, good. If I feel if I feel overwhelmed, if I feel anxious with food, if you can answer yes to any of that. If I feel fear, if I avoid social outings for fear of spiraling out of control, mm. you know, if you, if you're identifying with any of this, then there's opportunity for more freedom for you and more ease and effortlessness in your relationship with food. And I don't care what eating disorder psychologist or what doctor told you, you were going to have to deal with this your whole damn life. Oh gosh. Yeah. No, I, you don't. No, you don't. You do not. Exactly. Yeah. I, I had this. I had, thank you for saying that. I had this argument with many professors back in the 80s. You said that's ridiculous. You cannot change someone's behavior. All you can do is teach them to compensate. And, you know, that that's the school of thinking that I was in and challenged. And, you know, that is such a lie because you, I mean, I got people that had brain damage with, they were totally unconscious for, unconscious for days on end and ended up and, and being written off as vegetables, going and getting degrees. So, you know, people overcoming eating disorders, years and years and years of eating disorders. So you're quite right. You, there is hope. You, you're not stuck with it. And another thing, I mean, you know this, the, the current treatments for, uh, for treat, eating disorders, they don't even work. They, they, the, sci- the scientific papers say that you just go and look at the scientific papers, there's not even a nine, I think it's like a not even, a, it's 95 or 97% failure rate on the you know, failure, not success, failure rate on the current treatment because they're just basically reinforcing a toxic habit and taking all the locus of control away. So what you're saying is that you've actually separated very beautifully in very simple language for people the fact that there's this intellectual, I know I shouldn't have that kind of relationship with food, but I'm feeling this almost external thing. And that's because your brain is actually not who you are. It's only it's part of you. You know, you, yeah. your mind and brain are separate, but inseparable. And if, for whatever reason, you wired things in. It does feel like now that, that thing that you are working your mind through, because your mind works through your brain, if it's wired wrong, and if, it's, if you're thinking about this all the time, this is dominating everything like it's in front of my face. This food thing is the questions you ask, there's the questions. If you're saying, yes, this is what's dominating. So the more you think about this, the bigger it grows, the more it dominates. So that's, I mean, that, and that, that is that you wire it in so you can wire it out. That's the beauty. You can change your brain with your mind. And that's what you're saying. And that's the hope, isn't it? That's the hope. Beautiful hope. We have women in our program who are 65 years old. Wow. Struggled since they were eight years old. Oh it my gosh. How long you've wire these patterns into your brain, how long you've engaged in these. You can wire them out. You can change your brain. You can wire them out. And there are Mm. techniques and tools and processes to do this. And it's devastating to me that the field of eating disorder recovery has such devastatingly low success rates. And Mm. in fact, we have women who come into our program who have been in eating disorder recovery programs who have said they've learned how to do their eating disorder better 
from being in these recovery programs. Wow. They've gotten better at being yeah. dysfunctional. With- there you go. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And they don't, but they don't record that. They don't talk about that in the, in the research. Well, there are people that are writing up research on that, but it's not, the insurers won't pay for those alternative routes because they're successful and they make, they're not going to make money because people are going to get out of treatment. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it breaks my heart because yeah. it is something that is a worldwide epidemic. Exactly. People from every background, every age range, every, every gender, every gender. It's not, I work personally just with women, but every gender, every gender battles, every yeah. gender, people from all walks of life are struggling mm. silently behind the scenes with in, in, incredible amounts of anxiety around food and their body, and they don't know what to do. And the medical industry is failing them. They have totally failed them, making it worse. Like yeah. you just said, make and making it worse. Okay, so let's talk. Sweeping down the carpet, let's let's give people some hope here. And I know we can't cover everything now. And I know you've got a great book and you've got a practice, and people people can find out more about you. So just give, if you don't mind, just let's talk through a little a few of the techniques. What can one do? Absolutely. So there's so many different techniques. It's multidimensional, but some of the the simplest and most profound techniques that we teach in our course is the power of connection. Now we'll talk about some different healing modalities that we use, but one of the most important things to heal the struggle with food and your body is to come out of isolation, out of isolation and be connected. connected with other human beings. It's a fundamental human need. And we walk around in modern day society thinking we don't need anything or anybody because we can survive independently of each other, but emotionally and mentally, we We are starving. We cannot. And when you bring people into a setting where they're in a safe container with other people who get it, who understand it, and who who are there to love, support, and connect, it can do more healing than all of the other science-backed healing techniques that we dive into. I agree. I agree. I always tell my clients I could take away all of the techniques and the tools that we teach that are all based in the research, and we could live in a compound on an island together, and you would heal as a result of healing love and connection, period. And living with another group of people with shared interests. I totally agree with you. That is number one. I agree with you. That is brilliant. Yes. And then beyond that, moving further, we have to start learning how to work in sync with the mind. So one of the very first things we teach our women when they come into the Food Freedom Online program is the power of meditation and a morning routine. Our mind is susceptible to influence first thing in the morning. morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, First thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so if we can capitalize on that time, even if it's just 10 to 15 minutes of meditation, guided Mm -hmm. meditation, where we can train our focus, strengthen our internal locus of control, reduce impulsivity by training the brain to, to function in a different way by detaching from toxic thoughts and practicing doing that over and over again, we start to release some of the internal pressure that is creating the cycles exactly. of taking them out with food. So one of the things that we start to dive into is how do we utilize within our morning routine, what are different techniques that we can utilize to expedite our healing process? Meditation being one of them. There's mm-hmm. so much research. So many more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much. And if we can understand that, that I, I, a lot of times I'll hear individuals say, well, I'm not very good at meditating. And what I say is it's not about being good at it. It's a practice. It's a mental exercise. It's like walking into the gym and the first day, all you can pick up is the two pound weights. Mm-hmm. Well, meditation works on a dose dependent basis. The Mm -hmm, more that you meditate, the stronger your brain becomes. Mm -hmm. The stronger your brain becomes, the less susceptible to the impulsive feelings that you're having around food 
that that's what transpires. And as we train our mind to think in a different way and recognizing that habits, we don't break habits. We replace them. We edit a habit. So instead Mm -hmm. of thinking, I just need to stop thinking this, or I just need to stop doing this behavior. We need to start creating a vision for what we want. Anytime I ask clients, what, what is it that you want your relationship with food or your body to look like at the very beginning, they start telling me, well, I don't want to binge. I don't want to have anxiety to, you know, go on a date night with my husband. I don't want to feel insecure when, you know, when I'm being intimate with somebody and they'll go on and on and on about all the things that they don't want. And I say, wow, well, you're really clear on what you don't want. No wonder you have that in your life because you're so clear on that. But what is it that you actually want? What is it that you want? And if we can start to paint the picture and create a clear vision about what we want and utilize different techniques to start what I call installing that in the brain, where we're shifting our energetic focus from what we don't want to what we want and being disciplined in not letting our mind go down, go down those rabbit holes by developing self-awareness, mm-hmm. we actually start to cultivate the life that we want. There's a mm-hmm. lot more that goes into this. A lot oh, no, they, that's, I told you later that, that- the self-regulation, the, the research that I do with the mind-brain is all about self-regulation, all about awareness. It's all about mind management. So people will understand exactly what you're saying. Without that, you can you can stand on your head and read all the, the great books out there and the self-help and go on all the courses. But until you've actually taken that locus of control back and chosen to use your mind to change your mind, and that meditation aspect is definitely an important part of the preparation of the brain. I also teach on that. So it's, that's, that's really, I'm very glad that you mentioned that. So once they've done that first thing in the morning, is there then a routine? that you put them in during the course of the day just broadly obviously there's a course they can do is that do you want to just quickly at this point just tell us about how people can actually connect with you and do this course that you're talking about because i'm sure there's many people on here that are wondering would like to actually get this binge eating under control yeah, absolutely. So I think the thing that I would say is I know it's scary because when you want to pursue healing your relationship with food, the perspective that I had was that if I was going to heal my relationship with food, that meant that I couldn't have confidence in my body because I wouldn't be able to have the body that I wanted. I would just eat and eat and eat and eat and endlessly. Mm-hmm. And maybe somehow I would have peace with food, but I wouldn't be able to have peace in my body. And then when I turned to the fitness industry, it was also so extreme that I thought, well, if I want to have the body that I want, then I have to, you know, spend all day at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All day at the gym and live inside this macro counting yeah. app or whatever. Ugh. And so what I want to more say, rules, more rules, more rules, more rules, more confinement. What I want to say to anybody listening First, I want you to have hope that healing is 100% possible and you can have both. You can have confidence in your own skin, in yourself, and an easy and effortless relationship with food. And the first part of the process is leaning into the fear, the fear that I don't know if anything's ever going to work for me. We have this thought that I'm the outlier. I've tried everything. It's not going to work for me. Well, Mm. Sister, I've been there too. I lived in that reality for yeah, a decade. You lived in and, mm-hmm. yeah, and so so what I always say is the first place I would recommend starting is my podcast. I jam out over on the Dear Body podcast. I talk all about the, these different techniques. We have clients come on who share their stories. Just start absorbing the information great. to Very soften the hardness of the heart that, that's encased in fear. Mm-hmm. And then the program that I have, it's called the Food Freedom Online Program. It's a four-month program where we dive in and we talk about all of the science that goes into reprogramming the brain as it relates to food and your body. But the knowledge isn't powerful. You can listen to podcasts all day long. Like you said, read all the books, do the program. But if you don't execute consistently and and train the brain through habituation, through massive mm-hmm. amounts of repetition, mm-hmm. then you're not going to see the behaviors change. And you're not weak 
if you can't stick to something, Mm -hmm. it's called being human. And so in order to execute at a high level, we need a lot of accountability and we need connection. Mm -hmm. And so- Which is the first thing you said, yeah. Yeah, inside the program, you're not only equipped with the techniques and the tools, it's an online program. There's video modules, integration homework. We teach you the science. We teach you the specific techniques. I call it, I give you a tool belt. You start to insert the tools that you learn, and then you're held accountable to executing on those tools through your accountability groups, through three times weekly coaching. We dive in and we are there to support you because the reality is there's highs and lows in the journey of transformation. When you're shifting your identity, when you're stepping into a new person can be disorienting if you're not guided in how to do that. And so we have to be willing to say, am I willing to divorce my addiction to the cycles that I'm in for a life that's better? And what I would challenge everyone who's listening to do is to spend some time after the podcast thinking about what's the life that you want to live? Because I promise you, you will regret the things that you did not try far more than the things that you did try. So what's the life you're willing to live? If you are fearing failure, what I want to encourage you to shift your perspective on is that Mm -hmm. failure is a massive component of success. Mm -hmm. It's part of the success Mm -hmm. recipe. It's part of it. It's linked. It's totally linked. I fear mediocrity far more than I fear failure. Failure, when I Mm -hmm. fail, it's okay, what do I have to learn from this? What door is open instead? Exactly. Well, that, that's a great message and it's a message they hear me saying all the time that you have to fail to succeed. And that's really, no, that's wonderful. That's really some makes it simple for people. What I just want to end off with, there's so many more things that we can talk about, but we, I'm just going to end off with, with, with a question just very quickly for, to help people understand the difference between say binge eating and bulimia, anorexia, whatever. Can you just, you know, because everyone's so scared of these labels, you know, I hate labels. I hate the DSM. I think you probably feel the same. Most of the people I interview on here are in the same agreement, same philosophy of mind. But those are still the words that are out there. And the way I explain them to people is that those are just descriptions. They're like depression is a description of an experience, but it's not an it. It's not that you're now stuck with something. It's not like cancer or diabetes and that kind of thing. So do you want to just expound a little bit on that, the difference between those and your area of speciality is binge eating, but you couldn't not deal with it. And with the all, it's the whole lot. It's, it's, you know, everything's all kind of related on scales of what people are going through. Yeah. Absolutely. So when people ask that, like, I don't know if I, if I'm struggling with binge eating or overeating, emotional overeating or anorexia or bulimia, I say, don't even, you don't need to worry about the granular detail because the reality is eating disorders fall on a spectrum. And most people who struggle with eating disorders dip their toes or their entire leg in every, they try every type of dysfunction in or, 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 or thing when it comes to the unhealthy dynamic with food. So if you are binge eating, eventually you feel the guilt and the shame that sends you potentially into orthorexia over exercise yeah, yeah. or anorexia withholding for a certain time or attempting bulimia. And likewise, if you're bulimic and you're anorexic, you snap because the body is fighting back and you end up binge eating. So instead mm-hmm. of worrying about, am I this, am I that? Just understand that Perhaps you're in a season where maybe you're experiencing more of the binge eating tendencies or the overeating tendencies, or you're really emotionally numbing out, or you're more in the really hardcore white knuckle anorexia focus. And so it transitions for people all throughout their struggles with food you know, dependent on where they're at in any certain season. So instead of defining this is where I'm at, obviously anorexia is withholding from food. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Binge eating is eating excessive amounts of food very fast in a short amount of time. Emotional eating, we're 
feeling a surge of emotions and we want to numb out, if you're dipping your toes and all of that, welcome to the majority of people who struggle with an unhealthy relationship. Brilliantly, brilliantly said that this is a majority of people are battling. So many people battle with food, all cultures. I'm just summarizing what you're saying. All cultures across the world, all genders. And it's not an it. It is a whole bunch of different behaviors that you fluctuate between. It's like you, like you say, it's a spectrum and you're dipping your toe in different things and you go to certain extremes and certain life events can push us in one direction or another, certain experiences. And it's also a process that we're shifting up and down while we're trying to get this adjustment happening. So you explained that so beautifully. Thank you so much, JC. This has been wonderful. We'll put all your details in the show notes. People can get hold of you at your, your what is your, your Instagram handle? You just give us how people can find you easily. Yep. Check me out on Instagram. It's at Jesse, J-E-S-S-I, Jean, J-E-A-N-N-N. I hang out there. I hang out on the Dear Body podcast. Would love to connect with you. And Caroline, thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, it's been fantastic. It's been a really great conversation that we need to definitely continue again sometime. I'd love to do that. Thank you for what you do. And thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.